welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey, everybody, Doug Addison. Welcome to another Spirit Connection podcast. And this is where we talk about how God's moving around the world. We talk about dreams and visions and how to discover your destiny and how to overcome the things that have overcome us. And this week, I've got a really cool guy. I mean, this is great. I'm so excited to have Brian Head Welch from Corn, the rock band Corn, with us this week. And he's one of the founding members of the hard rock band. That, if you remember him, but my goodness, I sure do. It was part of my upbringing in the music industry. And, you know, he's one of the founding members, but also he wrote a couple of best selling books. And he found Jesus. He had an encounter with the Lord. He got off of drugs and he, he wrote an autobiography called Save Me from Myself, which was great. And a second book, Wash by the Blood. And he has been going around and sharing God's love in places. You might have seen him in Brian Wilson's movie, Holy Ghost. He was in there with Todd White. And for my tribe, if you my followers, if you know, I was in Father of Lights doing some outreaches in the in the clubs. So you could tell the two of us really have a similar heart. We have a similar fire to see people come to the Lord and see him experience God's love and presence. So Brian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's gonna be amazing to talk to you. Yeah. So tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, I've been into music. Uh I got bit when I heard ACDC when I was 10 years old that I was like, I want to play guitar like Angus Young. I want to bang my head for a living. And so, <laughs> and you know, here I am uh, years later um, and I'm doing that for a living. So dreams do come true, you know? <laughs> yeah. How good is that to get paid for your passion? That's what I always say. Yeah. It's just incredible. You know, there's so many better players, you know, than me out there. And I don't know, I'm just so grateful because we created a sound that um, a lot of the, the the youth, you know, in America uh, related to. So what more can I can I ask for? In yeah. Life? How long have you been playing Jesus. guitar? I've been playing it since 10 years old. So um, almost 47. So, yeah. Wow. That's a long, that's a long time, man. So, yeah, just go ahead and tell us a little bit about your journey and things that have happened. Yeah, it was just, um, you know, like I said, 10 years old, I got bit by the bug. My, I got uh, an acoustic guitar and uh, my mom got me acoustic guitar. She said, if I learn how to play the basics, then she'll get me an electric. So I learned Mary had a little lamb and all the stuff that I <laughs> could, I could uh, prove to her that I was serious. And Next thing you know, I had a, a cheap electric guitar and a cheap little amp, and I started taking lessons, and I started learning how to play. And, I mean, within within like a year or less, I was able to play some of the bands that I liked songs, you know, like, for instance, Ozzy Osbourne or Black Sabbath, or like a Motley Crue song or something, you know, I was just able to play some of the stuff. I, I had an ear for music, and so... You know, it was, it came in handy because when I hit about 12 years old and entered junior high school, I got picked on quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I had these friends that were supposed to be my friends, but I was the one that they would torment, you know, like they were the tough ones and, and they would take turns like kind of tormenting me. And, 
And so my guitar and my music was my escape. And I would just spend hours listening to it and just fantasizing about being able to play real good and being in a rock band and just really taking in the sound and the just the whole vibe, the look, everything of the music, of heavy metal music. And so, you know, that's what I just got better and better. And I, I guess I'll thank the bullies for it because it kept me in my room <laughs> practicing, you know. I always actually so. have a similar story. I was bullied as well. And just want to encourage people out there, you know, if you have kids or if you were bullied, is that, you know, the Lord's really with you and he could use anything. He'll take it all and redeem it. You know, it's really crazy is, uh, you know, Jesus was pretty bullied himself and uh, he's pretty much the, the top authority in the universe. So um, just yeah, <laughs> just let's, let's just uh, look to him as our example. You exactly. Know, we, get, we get chased, we get we get bullied and then, you know, humble ourselves and then he will exalt us, you know. Yeah. So. So, yeah. So I just kept practicing. And then I met the guys who would later become corn. I met them in high school. Next thing you know. It was really cool because we were into the like the hair metal scene, you know, and and it's funny. I just watched Def Leppard the other night. We played with Def Leppard and it was like so fun to watch him because that was my my era. And but anyway, once we hit like 17, my friends who would become corn, they ended up getting into other music like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, you know, and kind of funk rock. And so they left me and went to L.A. and tried to make it. And I was left on my own. And uh I had a girlfriend and she ended up breaking up with me, broke my heart. I got suicidal. So I ended up moving down with those guys who would become corn. And I was actually their roadie in Los Angeles for years. Wow. For a couple of years. And so I quit playing, even though I encouraged them to get started on their instruments. They kind of just went their own way and left me. And, and I stopped playing. I was like, I didn't have any hope. I was just kind of drunk and getting, starting to experiment with drugs and I was just lost in the world. And, you know, uh, in 1993, when I was at my wits end and my my dad had a Chevron gas station and I I asked if I could come home and work for him and just give up music and all that. And he said yes. So I cut my hair and I was getting ready to move. And that's when they asked me to join the band. Wow. So I joined the band and we got a new singer and named it Corn. And, you know, it was just crazy because about a year, a year later we had a record deal. Wow. What year was that? That was 93. Wow. How amazing. Wow. And so now, was there any religious people or any, you know, Christian background in your family? Um, so, oh yeah, I left that the best part out. Um, in junior high, it was eighth grade after I was tormented for like a year and a half, you know, <laughs> at the end of eighth grade, I met this guy. His name was Kevin. He lived down the street from my house. So I gave up those, those so-called friends that were tormenting me and, I started hanging out with this kid and he, his family was just nice, you know, and they, they all sat and watched TV together and everything. And my family never did that, you know, and my dad was kind of angry and just, uh, there was fighting in the house a lot in our house. And so I just felt this peace and unity with this kid, Kevin and his family. And well, you know, after a few months hanging out with them, his mom started telling me about Jesus and that they were Christians and, Kevin started telling me about Jesus. And next thing you know, they told me how to ask Jesus in my heart. But, you know, I didn't pray with them, but I went home and I prayed by myself. Just Jesus coming to my heart. You know, Kevin and his mom says that you're the the savior of the world. So so I asked them to come in, you know, and and, 
You know, he, he was always there. I didn't know it. I never get, went to church. I didn't tell Kevin or his mom or anybody else that I asked Christ in my heart, but I did. And, and he never left me wow. after looking back, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. And that was in junior high. Yep. That was in junior high. And then I went my own way in life for about 20 years <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> until I just surrendered, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, tell us a little bit more about that journey because you know some people have read your book or you know some maybe have heard the music and things like that or read some stuff on the internet, but you know what I really want I just want people to hear your heart. Right on. Well, um you know, it it started out when I was a kid, I wanted music. I wanted to create music and I wanted to that was my dream. And so when when we finally got the record deal in our 20s, you know, I was doing, I was living that dream, but then at the same time I was drinking every day and I didn't think about that when I was a kid. You know, I started doing drugs and at the beginning of corn, I started doing methamphetamines with a couple of the guys and we would just stay up for two days just trying to write music. And some of the first records, some of the songs were written just on drugs and everything. And so we were so bad on it, a couple of us that, you know, once we hit the road and got a record deal, our first tour, it was like, we got to stop doing meth because it was like such a dangerous drug. And so we stopped doing meth and hit the road and pretty much just toured, toured, toured. And, and, uh, you know, that's the part of the music business that I didn't really understand that touring and playing the same songs every night gets really old, really fast. And, yeah. uh, you know, and so. So it's a grind, you know, you get out there and, you know, my heart was, was that music and, but, you know, I'm living that life and just drinking and doing drugs. And, but at the same time, I wanted to, I wanted love, you know, I wanted to fall in love. I wanted to have a family. And uh, I met this girl in the beginning of corn and, um, she was just a little punk rock girl. I found out she ran away from home at 14 and she was just living with kind of a beach bum with, with friends she met since she was 14. And I met her when she was 19. I was like 20, 22 or 23. And so, yeah, we started dating and, and, uh, next thing you know, she ended up getting pregnant in 98 because we went out for a few years off and on, you know, she got pregnant in 98. And so I was just so excited. I was like, you know, I'm, my band is kind of growing, but I wanted to be a good father and everything, you know? And so I ended up proposing to her and, we got married in a, in like a little office in Redondo Beach. I didn't have a wedding or nothing, <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's the way we did it. And so, so things were good in 1998. I'm just going to tell you, things were good. Our band got so big, we started getting played on MTV, like millions of dollars. Like deals were coming in, and it was, it was a slow progress to make money and to get big like that. But we kept climbing, and in '98, just everybody grabbed hold of corn, and and it was like we were on TV with like fighting kind of on the charts with Britney Spears or NSYNC or Blink-182, Eminem. You know, it, we were like on the chart every day with them. And it was just we're in mainstream pop world. You know, it was just pop culture. I mean, yeah. but we were a, me a metal band. It was crazy. And so it was just really big like that. And then my, my girlfriend got pregnant. Then we got married and, and we had the baby and it was just everything was great. And uh, once the baby was born, we hit the road and we realized that we are so big. Our band was so big and we were selling out arenas everywhere. And that's when things started to change and the band started to change. And I mean, when they when they tell you it's lonely at the top, I'm telling you, like 
all of us didn't know how to handle it. And so we, you know, we couldn't go out in public and it was just like people knew who we were everywhere. And it was really crazy. And so, so, you know, I thought I would get it together once I got married, but I couldn't. And so I was an alcoholic. I was a drug addict and my wife was too. She never dealt with her junk either. And so once the baby was growing, we, we kept falling into drugs and we would do speed. You know, when I came home, even though the, there's a baby there, I do speed. And then we would stop for a few weeks and then do it again. And, but when we come off the speed, we would get in these gnarly fights and she would just, you know, she got abused. That's why she left home. And so when she got mad at me, she would abuse me and just punch me in the face or whatever when she got mad at me. And then I started doing that to her and, you know, the marriage did not last. And so she ended up leaving me in 2000. Uh huh. I got full custody of our daughter because she was on meth. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then, you know, I tried to get sober for four months and, you know, when I was sober, I just had this dark cloud over me too. I was just like, I had millions in the bank, right? I had millions and I was playing in front of thousands every night, making all kinds of money, everything on TV all the time. I'm on TV all the time. And I have this dark cloud over me and I, and I, I don't like life sober and medicated on alcohol and drugs is the only place that I felt like masked to where I could deal with life. And so I fell back into it, you know, and then the crystal meth habit got so bad in 2003, 2004 for two years, I got hooked on crystal meth for every day I used it. And I had dealers send it to me over in uh, Europe. If I ran out, you know, I was risking my freedom, having drugs, eight balls of crystal meth sent over to different countries. And, and I was just so at the end of myself, I tried to go to outpatient rehab place. It didn't work. And by that time I moved back to Bakersfield, California, where I grew up, where I heard about Jesus when I was 12 years old. Wow. You know, I moved all the way back there. I got this house about five minutes from my parents' house. They saw me and they knew that I was not okay, but they didn't want to accuse me of doing drugs. They they were just like, you know, we're here for you. So they helped me with my daughter and they helped me like, you know, get her to school and stuff. And that's when it happened. I met some people who I started doing business with and they happened to be Christians and they were wild. You know, they weren't like, they weren't religious. This guy built monster trucks and he would win like awards at car shows and everything, but his family would go to church on Sunday. And so they invited me to go to church. And I mean, I walked in there on drugs and I I heard the message that Christ was real. And that if you start to read the Bible and to hang out with other Christians, grow in your faith and don't stop doing it, then he will reveal himself to you and he'll change your life. And so what I did was I went home and I started talking to Jesus. I was like, could this be it? Could this... Could this be why my my life never made sense? Could this be why every time I was sober, I had a dark cloud over me? Could this be the reason? Did I walk the, the wrong way when I was 12? Did I walk away from Christ? You know, and so I tried it and I just started praying, Jesus, if this is real, if you really are who they say you are, then come and change me. Make me not want to die. Make me want to be a good father. My daughter deserves better than this. And so you know, a long story short, I just had an encounter about a couple of weeks after that. I was often on the drugs, thumbing through my Bible. I had an encounter. The glory of God came into my house and it felt like 
you know, we were praying before this about heaven on earth, you know, let, you know, heaven on earth, like let it on earth be as in heaven. And so I encountered heaven. It was like Jesus walked in and brought his glory into the room. And I instantly knew it was all real and it changed everything. I stopped the drugs the next day because I wanted to feel that purity. I wanted to feel that glory. I wanted to feel that heavenly experience. So I was like, Let's get rid of everything else so I can chase after that. I was right. addicted immediately. Yeah. Want so, to yeah. go from one addiction to the other, but you know what? That's all right. If you want to be addicted to Jesus, how good is that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, people accused me of that over the year. They're like, you just traded partying for religion. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. Spiritual, right. spiritually, you can touch heaven now. Yeah. Like, you can, he'll prove it to you. Wow. Everything. And so, now, you're still with corn while this is happening, right? I was with corn, yes. Um, but after I had the encounter, you know, a couple of weeks later, I was like, what do I do? What do I do? And the guy that took me to church was telling me, stay in corn, you know? And I was like, I don't want to stay in corn, you know? But what does God want me to do? And one day I was talking to him and he he was telling me, stay in corn. And I had an overwhelming sensation just of a knowing inside that I was to go and quit corn and be with my daughter and raise her. Because you know what? She was with grandparents for years. She was with nannies. Her mom was out of the picture. And so she needed a parent to be home with her. So that's yeah. what I did. I, I quit corn. I shocked the music world. And I and I was on CNN and everything, giving my testimony. And everybody was just in the music world was freaked out. The Christians were like, oh, cool. We got an evil one on our <laughs> side, you know. And so and I just uh you know, I, I went away, you know, once once I saw the circus that could be in the church and the religious side of it and then the circus and the rock world, all the, you know, back in 2005, that was really shocking for someone to be a Christian and, and to leave a life like that. And so I just went in seclusion for a while and became a dad, you know, and raised her and uh, wrote my book, Save Me From Myself. And, uh, you know, I really just fell in love, you know, for the first time. I always wanted to be in love, but my heart got shattered always. And once I met Jesus, I, I knew I met a love that would never be shattered again and yeah. that would last forever. You wow. Know? You know, uh, while you're talking, I'm just, I, I see visions as some people know, and I just see that the dark cloud was the, was the lack of love. And what you did, not only receiving the love of Jesus, but you, you demonstrated it by loving your daughter and loving yourself. And, you know, loving the Lord, you loved yourself enough to leave your band and to go be, you know, a man of integrity. And that pulled the dark cloud away from you. I'm not sure if that makes sense or not. Oh, it totally makes sense. Because, like, once the glory came into the room and I got a deposit of his spirit and I felt that love, that unconditional love that can never die, that nothing can separate us from that love. Once I touched that eternal love, that's when... I was like healed of that lack of love and that broken heart. And so that's, I was imparted the, that eternal love. And so I was able to look at my daughter and say, I'm going to leave my career. I want to be home as your dad every day. Wow. And I'm able to look at myself in the mirror and say, you're worth fighting for and you're worth loving. And so I, I learned how to forgive myself. You know, I, I read the Bible and it said, you know, just to, forgive others and make everything right. So I, I found every enemy that I had and I went and I apologized whether they did me wrong or I did them wrong. And I, I did everything. I just wanted to be free, you know? And so I got, I got bat, 
baptized in love. Man. Yeah, and, that's a good way you to know put what it. I'm saying? Yeah. Now, how yeah. did your family and friends react to your news, uh, you know, of your newfound faith? Just like they act to a lot of people that have a drastic change. They they thought I did one too many lines of speed and, <laughs> you know, oh, he thinks he's seeing Jesus, you know, <laughs> and uh, and so the fans, I got made fun of so much. They were just like, oh. I had some messages. I wish you would have died on drugs rather than become a Christian. I can't believe you. I hate you now and stuff like that. Like wow. crazy comments. And I was just like, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I, I had a, a understanding of the warfare pretty early on. It felt like I, one day I was reading the Bible and I felt like Christ came in and said, he said, are, are you willing to be persecuted for my name's sake? And I was like, yes. And so I kind of had an understanding. So it, it bothered me, but it didn't, it wasn't a shock because, you know, he, he revealed that to me early on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You, what prompted you to go back to corn after your hiatus? Um, you know, I was doing, like, like I said, I wrote the book when I was gone and I moved to Arizona and just grew in my faith and everything. And the next thing I knew, I had moved to Nashville, Tennessee, and I was doing a solo music stuff. I was, you know, I had it was just like testimonial lyrics. It wouldn't, it wasn't like a Christian band, but it was like, you know, just real and raw lyrics. So the Christian industry didn't really know what to do with me because they're like, your stuff's too depressing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm crying out for help because I'm going through hell. I mean, that's my life. That's what I did. And that's, and so I didn't know where I fit in, in the Christian music world, or, you know, I started to tour and do all that. And I don't know, in 2012, my daughter who the Lord used to get me to stop and, and get off the road and, and be with her. She, when she turned 14, she started getting into rock music, you know, and I was trying to balance, like letting her experience stuff at the same time going, okay, uh, don't listen to that band because, you know, it doesn't have a good spirit on it, you know? So I was trying to not be religious, but at the same time. So she was uh, into these bands, you know, and so she started asking me to take her to concerts. And I was like, well, I left all that. So I don't have a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of influence to get into those shows for free. But let me see. And so I ended up at a concert one night and Corn was playing. I actually just went to bring my daughter to watch some other bands because it was a big festival with all these bands. And yeah, we just watched bands all day, and, and next thing you know, I was reconciling with the guys, and I played one song with them that night. During their show, the singer broke down, crying. All these other bands were watching. There's people in the crowd, they were crying, and and my dad watched online. He was crying, and I just felt the Lord say to me, when I was watching the crowd and everything, I just felt like he was saying, you know, I want them. I want them, and he started to reveal to me that you know, he he separated me for a time, and uh, he wants to send me back to be a light, to be a testimony. You know, all those people won't go to church, I bet, you know? Right. And so so he led me back. Clearly, he led me back. I got, I you know, I got counsel from, you know, some prophetic people I knew and pastor, and, uh, and he just revealed to me that this was his plan for my life, and, and he keeps— confirming that because you know people he's touching people left and right out there and it's right, just exactly yeah i well you know we saw in holy ghost in the movie that you were praying for people like the fans and things does that still happen oh yeah i do that i mean i just got, got back from south america we gathered people in colombia and about two cities in uh brazil 
And then we went to uh, Chile. Chile was awesome. And I have friends now. I have connections through Robbie Dawkins and, uh, you know, Todd White and them and another ministry called Steiger International. They're set up all over like the globe. And so I have these people, they just, they, they connect with me. I get their email and we meet before the show. I tell them how it goes down. It's really, it's really supernatural. It's just how God, you know, connects people all over the planet. And so, so yeah, I do it all over Europe. I do it in, um, in America, obviously, and, um, South America and going to Australia soon, going to do it there. It's just, I love it. I wow. love it. Yeah. Now this, I love this. Of course, people who know me, when, when you were going back in and I was thinking, yeah, you know, that really is the heart of the Lord because, you know, you don't like to light and put it under a basket. You know, you know, a lot of people hide their faith or whatever, or they're afraid and not realizing greater is the one in you than the one in the world. And seeing someone like you, Brian, actually doing that and bearing the brunt of it and then watching the fruit of it. It's such amazing. Wow. I'm just proud of you. Thank you so much, man. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's sometimes it's resistant, you know, and it's like I have to break through these religious mindsets from the crowd because a lot of these are wounded from religion maybe back in the day. And so I have to I have to use wisdom and ask for wisdom about how to unlock the hearts because I tell them that this I'm not a religious person. I'm very spiritual. And Christ is the door to the he's the highest highest authority in the spiritual realm. And, and so, yeah, I just, maybe I'll share a little Bible passage and, and just uh, talk about it, what it means. And I really, really, really share about experiencing Christ yeah. and that Christ will prove to anybody. You just, you just got to invite him in, you know, that, that handle for the door in our hearts is on the inside and we have to open it, you know? And exactly. so, yeah. So, but you know, it's really cool to see God you know, it, it's, I love the dramatics when things happen that are dramatic. Um, I love that. But sometimes it's just seeds. And I know that, you know, in like 10, 20 years when these people, these fans are older, the seeds are just going to sprout and it's going to be awesome. Yeah, yeah you really bet. Beautiful. It really is like that. People might not realize it. You know, God's in this for the long haul. And he, like he, he proved with you, you know, and that you could give your life to Jesus in, uh, you know, in junior high and then watch this. We have a lot of similarities in our story. Watch this happen. God is faithful. He will come back, you know, and even in the midst of uh, whatever you might be going through. And I'm so glad. I know that you get beat up a lot by Christians, you know, especially online for, for being with corn and things like that. But I just really believe that you're in the right place. You're, you're in God's will. And, uh, you know, I want to encourage you right on. Thank you very much. And, uh, I feel it too. I, you know, the spirit bears witness and you know, what's cool when I started touring with corn again, it was like the, just that, that new wine, it was like new wine poured into my soul and intimacy with God went to a whole new level. And so that was another confirmation, like, Hey, I'm right here with you and I'm filling you up for these people right now. And, and, you know, so he he's confirmed it all the way through. And I believe that I'm just barely getting started. I believe I that. that. Yeah, I say that every year. But, you know, God's doing a thing in the earth and it's and it's he's breaking the mindset of religion, you know, and it's happening slowly but surely. And and I just love to be a small part of it, you know. Yeah, I really believe that. In fact, that's one of the ways we connected for the first time is, I don't know how it happened, but I ended up, I got a word for you, prophetic word, and, and so I somehow I got your cell phone, and, 
and um, text. We never met in person yet, but I texted the word, and it was something like that. It was very similar to something's going to come. I just felt like I really needed to encourage you and that we'd be connecting later on. Yeah, I can't wait. So I haven't met, for all you listeners, I haven't sat down with Doug face-to-face, but we're going to do that this year, God willing, in Jesus' name. Yeah, I believe (laughs) that. Well, what would you say then to Christians who might be uh, disillusioned of the judgment of the church, or maybe because of their tattoos and piercings, or all that religious stuff? Any word that you would have for them? Oh, man. You know what? I heard a Graham Cook message years ago, 2006, 2007, something like that. I still have it. It's called Wounded and Betrayed Believers, I think, something like that. And in it, he just he speaks about like how it is absolutely essential that we are wounded and betrayed by people because we are fellowshipping in Christ's sufferings. And if he did it, to him, he's, they're going to do it to us, you know? And so what I try to do is, you know, I used to get upset by it and I would lash back out, you know, but now I'm just like, it doesn't bother me because there's a secret, there's a hidden place, you know, I dwell in that Psalm 91 secret place with the Lord and, and nobody can take that away from me, no, no matter what they say. And so, I mean, don't fight with these people. You just, that it's supposed to happen, and the Lord, if we humble ourselves and deal with it and love them back and pray for our enemies like that, then he's going to bless our spiritual life so much more, and the bitterness won't take root. Yeah. So, yeah, any of you guys out there, don't don't fall into the trap, because that bitter root is the biggest trap. Unforgiveness and that bitter root against our, our pharisaical brothers and sisters, however you say it. That that is a trap. It could just demolish your spiritual life or weaken it or, you know, you'll you get stunted. Your growth will get stunted if you fall into unforgiveness and bitterness. So just, you know, deal with that stuff yeah. in, in a pure way. Yeah. And, you know, to the listeners out there, you know, even if you're struggling, you know, you're struggling with any addictions. Uh, I did. I was addicted to meth and similar, very similar story. And you know, I married my meth dealer when I was 21. I always said it was a bad business deal. Don't don't ever marry your meth dealer to get a deal. But had my daughter out of the deal, the best thing ever. And I went away and ready ready to commit suicide. Really, is my plan to to leave. And and I had a radical encounter with Jesus instead, and came back to the Lord. And we know what we did. I got remarried. My wife and I have been married now for 21 years, and we went and planted our first church in my daughter's hometown at Kent, Ohio, and started a church that had brought her in, and she got her out of a Wiccan coven and stuff like that. I just want to say that, listen, this, what what we're talking about here, when you go back in and you begin to connect with the sons and daughters, that's the heart of God. And this man's doing the heart of God, because there's so many, I mean, I've been doing outreaches for so long, and I see so many people, you know, the people we're trying to reach, and the people come into the corn concerts, They've been wounded by their parents. They've been pushed away because they got a tattoo or their lifestyle is different. But you know what? This next move of God is coming to the outcast. It's coming to the the sons and daughters. Jesus said about this coming of the new move, it's going to be like a spirit of Elijah. It's going to turn the the hearts of the fathers and mothers to the sons and daughters, not the other way around. So I just really— want to encourage people who are listening just to keep on, you know, if you mess up, keep going, keep, you know, you know, get up, keep going. 
don't give up. And I know that Brian has this such a strong anointing on his life and testimony. Wow. I, well, I just want to thank you. And is there any way we can stay in touch with you? Yeah, definitely. I have a website, brianheadwelch.net. I have my Instagram is, it's all one word, Brian Head Welch. So it's instagram.com slash brianheadwelch, facebook.com slash brianheadwelch, Twitter, and same thing. And so, yeah, you guys can keep up with me there. And Doug, I want to tell you, we are playing in L.A. at the Forum in June, and I want to let you loose there. So Wow, I want to do it. You bet, man. I want to do it. And so I'm starting to feel better now. God's healing me. I've been you know, doing a lot of stuff on the internet because I have affliction, but it's now getting, it's time. And I knew our connection would come. I remember, I was just remembering now that I had an office on Venice Beach uh, two years ago when I text you, because I was still doing outreaches by myself even, you know, I go out and I just did do the stuff. I just want to encourage you to do the stuff. And that's when I wrote the first prophetic word for Brian and sent it to him was when I was out on Venice Beach. And I was thinking, because that's where we taped for Father of Lights I was just thinking, wow, there's something prophetic about this. There's something prophetic about being in the harvest. You know, send the workers into the harvest. And I'm just so thrilled, Brian, for all that you're doing. Why don't you just release a prayer over us? Yes, Lord, um, I thank you that the religious mindset is a lie, Lord, and, and that you died for everybody, Jesus. You died for everybody, and you're awakening humanity to the fact, Lord, religion, and I don't know why, but it's really crushed a lot of things over the years, over the centuries, and and Lord, but but you are are all about relationship, Lord, and you're demolishing religion, Lord, and so thank you that we're a part of this, Lord. I pray for everybody listening that you would give them the spirit of grace, Lord, that that when they mess up, that they keep going, Lord, and I I even Lord, I've been walking through life and I felt like I was spiritually mature and then I would follow my face and Lord, but you, you covered all everything, every sin that we've committed past, present and futures covered. So you just get back up and keep going, Lord. I pray that you would um, give the spirit of just hunger to see people experience you, Jesus, on every listener here. I don't care, Lord, if they're if they're introverts, Lord, I pray that you would break that off of them and make them extroverts. Just get out there. Get out there and and share Jesus with people. Pray for them, Lord. I just pray for unique callings, God. Take us further, Lord, than we've ever been before, Lord. But more important than any ministry that we do, Lord, I ask you for encounters for everybody, that you would open up the those encounters of the dreams and visions and the just the glory encounters, the heart-to-heart union encounters of intimacy, because that is what you died for, for relationship with humanity. That has to be number one. So, Lord, I just release that over every listener, Lord, and uh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you're doing, and we are barely getting started, all of us. All of us are barely getting started. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, we've been talking with Brian Head Welch of Corn. More, more than Corn, he's of Jesus. And that's what yes. I am so glad to hear this. You know, hear his heart. Let you people hear his heart, everybody. And continue to pray for him. Follow him, uh, you know, on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, just want to say thanks and looking forward to seeing you when you come to L.A. Awesome. I can't wait. I will be in touch and uh, we'll talk. We'll talk soon. Okay. All right. Bless you. All right, everybody. God bless you. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. 
connect with him online at dougaddison.com.